Hello, conscious parents, and welcome back to the Listen Carefully podcast. I'm your host, Jen, and I'm here to provide you with conscious parenting solutions. This week, we are going to dive into questions. And let me tell you, as the question queen, I have so many curiosities about life, about education, about, you know, interpersonal dynamics, about family systems. I have so many questions. And questions are a great way to get to know someone, get to know details about their life, get to know people's interests and passions. And it's a really, really cognitive way for us adults with developed brains to connect. And when you think about children, children actually do not have their cognition developed yet which means that they are operating from strictly energy and feeling. And if you can believe that, which, you know, I'll provide some examples for that, but children are energy and feeling and their body sensations never lie. The same with our body sensations, but there are more tells in children between their body sensations and their body language and their affect and just how they carry themselves through the world. So through body language, you can see energy and feeling and energy is easier to detect because if there is a surge in energy, if there is a heightened energy, you know, that's very visible, um, very noticeable. And with feeling though, it can be a little harder to detect what kids are trying to communicate. And if kids are asking you questions about things that they think that they should already know, or um, maybe things that they do already know, what you get to do is detect and figure out actually what they're communicating to you through how they ask their questions or what they're asking. Because If they're asking you questions and let's say they've already have the answers or they feel like they should already know the answers, what they're actually communicating to you is feeling. And it's kind of a roundabout way of saying, you know, this is how I feel or I feel this. Is this okay that I feel this? Oh, by the way, this is the feeling I'm having. Will I be accepted or rejected? or able to receive love and connection from having this experience in the presence of others, right? There are so many different variations of what this could mean when kids are asking questions. And oh my gosh, like it feels so good when I know the answer and when I'm right. And who doesn't love answering a question correctly? Who doesn't love you know, having that right answer. It's a release of dopamine. It's a little confidence booster, right? You think about Jeopardy and getting the question right and you got the grade, you know. It's very validating for performance and it's very validating for, you know, external motivation. However, when kids are asking us questions, what they're really saying is, do I matter? Do my feelings count? Am I important? Do you see me? 
in my fears, in my anxiety, in my worry, in my future thinking, like, do you see me as I am in my messiness, in my, you know, crazy thinking patterns or feelings? And to show up unconditionally to our kids, we get to demonstrate that we do, yes, see them, that we do, yes, value their presence unconditionally for who they are, and that we truly understand them because that's the biggest thing that they're wondering is, will my parent get me? Will they understand where I'm coming from? Holy crap, they do? okay, like now I don't even know if I want to be seen in this. This is way too vulnerable to be seen. Can I handle being seen in this feeling that I don't necessarily like, right? Like I feel like when kids ask us questions, the reason that we want to provide the right answer or provide some sort of answer in general is, We want to, you know, pacify and we want to provide for perhaps the lack of knowing, perhaps the lack of having an answer, and perhaps the lack of being right. And when you really boil this down and you say, I don't know the answer, it seems like I should know it and I don't man, if only I had this answer, you know, dot, dot, dot. And what that allows us to see is, whoa, maybe there are feelings perhaps that live underneath the questions. Maybe I am processing feeling not good enough. Maybe I'm processing feeling sad. Maybe I'm processing feeling disappointed. Maybe I'm processing the fact that I don't feel good enough. Maybe I'm processing rejection. And when kids are holding a lot of feeling and they want to be seen in their feeling, right? They might be feeling like they're not good enough for, you know, like their parents being together, or maybe they don't feel good enough for some sort of other external outcome that they have no control over in their life, right? Like maybe I'm not good enough for my parents to not be fighting, right? Like there could be so many ways that parent, that, sorry, that children internalize feelings that they're having about external circumstances that they have no control over. But here is the magic. What they do have control over is their feeling-based experience, right? If a child is not responsible for the outcome of their parents being together or separated, what we can at least give them is the feeling, right? If they're not responsible for it, but their feelings are real, Let's let them have that. But here's the caveat and the trick. We are going to be inconvenienced by feelings too. Just as they will as well. And I know for me, when I feel not good enough, when I feel like I should have the answer but don't, or when I feel pressured to have the right answer, 
feels like a heavy weight and it feels like pressure and expectation to perform. And I know for myself, when I don't know, I notice my own perfectionism tendencies arising to the surface. And I notice my own inability to have self-compassion because the real thief is, yeah, that compassion and that kindness that we have toward ourselves. So when your child is asking you questions, get curious, get curious. Do they need the answer? Is it one of those questions that they need the answer to, right? Or is it a question that perhaps is disguising for a feeling? And could that feeling perhaps be trying to be seen, right? And as a parent or caregiver or an adult in a child's life, you get to reflect and you get to stay open and curious about what could this question be seeking? Is it seeking validation for a feeling or is it actually seeking the answer? And we can have wonders and reflections and curiosities back to our children to verify that and become more clear. So for example, if a child asks, you know, why, right? Well, the why usually indicates that there is a feeling underneath. And sometimes the why doesn't actually have an answer. I think back to when I was five years old and when I lost my great grandmother, my grandpa's mom, I couldn't stop asking my mom, why, why did Gigi die? Why, why? Yeah, but why, you know? And when I look back to it and what, with what I know, what I do now about child development and what's appropriate for a five-year-old in their developmental stage is questions are a big disguise for feelings. Questions are a big way for kids to meet adults in their world and an effort for adults to meet kids in their world, right? To create the balance and the sustainability We've got to stay curious about perhaps where questions are coming from, right? So maybe my mom offered me logical answers about why my great-grandmother died, but an alternative, if she wanted to try something different, if she knew that, oh, Jenny is actually telling me that she feels sad. If that was something she knew, she might've said, wow, I noticed you keep asking me why Gigi died. Okay, that is a really important wonder. That is something that you've been thinking about so much. Gigi is really on your mind, you know? Oh my goodness, you're thinking about her again. Yes, I have no idea why she died either. I can see how it would be hard to know. What if we never get to know? What if we never know why, you know? And I think that's one of the hardest things for our human minds and our rational brains to understand 
as well as get a grip and maybe seek closure or to seek, you know, confirmation or just, yeah, to satisfy the brain. Because if we leave something left unknown, then it can be threatening, right? To have feelings, for example. And, you know, if our child is asking us something more simple, like something that they already know the answer to, what they're seeking is, can their idea be okay, you know, as it stands still? Can they have an idea that's worthy? Um, or does an adult's answer, you know, take priority and take credibility over theirs? And so the biggest way that we can, you know, handle and move forward with questions, we can reflect it back and say, you're wondering if I know the reason. You're wondering if I have the answer. Or even, wow, that's a lot of pressure to have the one answer. It's a lot of pressure. I feel a lot of pressure on my chest to come up with the right answer. What if I don't know? Wow, that's a lot of pressure to decide what's right. Or that's a lot of, you know, expectation for me to decide what's best for you, you know. And I think what this can also encourage in our children, if we offer it back, if we reflect it back, our response to their question is just as valid as an answer would be even maybe more valuable in certain circumstances. Because if I'm feeling the pressure to provide the answer that my child wants, right? What's the threat? Okay, if I don't give them the answer, then they're not going to know. And I'm going to be responsible for them not knowing, right? We fall into the setup of... I need to deliver. I need to provide the answer. I need to demonstrate and show that I'm smart and that I know what's going on. I don't want my child to think I'm dumb. I don't want my child to think that I don't know what's going on and what I'm doing, right? There are those unspoken, unconscious expectations between the parent and child dynamic or adult child relationship where we are threatened by whatever it is, you know? And that's real. That is so real. And that's something that we fail to bring a voice to. Why? Because we've never practiced it before, or maybe it's not even in our awareness. So how can we offer that back? How can we notice, respond, reflect, and really challenge our kids to come up with the best answer for them? Yes, I may be a caregiver or a parent who wants the best for my kid, but what if my answer that's best for me is not best for them and cannot be okay? Or what if we don't know the answer cannot be okay to be left with curiosity and left with the unknown? So threatening, so scary, right? But what is key for a developing brain is if a child has the space and the awareness to mess up, to make mistakes, to have the wrong answer, quote unquote, to discover that their creativity either, you know, fits or doesn't fit with this particular thing, right? 
they're going to be more likely to trust their intuition. They're going to be more likely to trust themselves when they grow up and they, when they go out into the world, right? When you're not there for them to lean on, which voice are they going to follow? And are you okay with them having their own internal dialogue that's different than yours, right? You're confronted and challenged with power and control, right? Can you surrender a little bit to the fact that they might have different values and ideas than you? Maybe, I don't know. And again, what's the threat, right? Safety, danger, risk assessment, uncertainty, right? There could be so many factors at play. And of course, wanting the best for our kids means that we want them to know the things that we do know. And when it comes to intuition and trusting themselves, right? Can they go out on their own? Can they be confident enough to say, wait a minute, I have made these mistakes before and therefore I know how I'd become resilient. I actually know how I recover from pain or from suffering or from messing up. Wait a minute. I've actually had practice many, many times from rupture and repair and moving forward, right? Because let's think of the alternative. If kids are always delivered this right answer, think of how much greater their expectations will become and the pressure on themselves becomes when they, you know, perform or make the grades or, you know, show up in their life. Are they going to be able to have more wiggle room with themselves? Are they going to hold themselves to unrealistic expectations or will they have a true sense of what is realistic and what they will be able to achieve, right? And it becomes so so much more authentic, so much more vulnerable when we take these emotional risks at a young, early age. And I'm going to tell you again, it will require us to have feelings. It's certainly going to require discomfort on our part because we're putting ourselves out there and it's requiring us to be vulnerable about different topics and different things that either overwhelm us or, you know, push us out of our comfort zone. And that gets to be okay. So often parents ask me, wait, can I show my child that I feel overwhelmed? Can I show my child that I feel worried? And I always say, yes, if it's coming from a place of ownership and accountability, right? If you can express an I statement that says, I feel overwhelmed. I don't want to release some of this control. I feel like I've never done this before. What if I mess up, right? If you're coming from a place of accountability for yourself, then please, by all means, demonstrate that and reflect that to your kids. Because again, that gives them another opportunity to observe what it's like for an adult to be emotionally accountable. Again, giving them permission to be emotionally accountable as well. So next time that you do encounter your child asking questions and wanting to be right and perhaps facing perfectionism or perhaps putting things on a pedestal and, 
you know, giving external things much greater value than their internal treasures, you know, stay curious about that. Challenge them in that. Challenge their beliefs and inquire about what's important to them and why. And you can do all of this by reflecting back to them. It's this concept called serve and return. If they serve up a question or a curiosity, you get to return that. You get to paraphrase it in a way that you understand it, but to say it back to them and to say, did I hear you correctly? Like, this was how I heard what you said. Is this what you mean? Oh, tell me more about that. Oh, that seems super important. I want to understand why. why. Why does this mean so much to you? Right? If we can simply show them how they're appearing to us, then we show them what it's like to receive. We show them what it's like to hear them by giving it back. So when you go out and observe this, stay open, expand, notice your own awareness and notice your own insecurities or your own discomforts or even your own impulses because those will be great information and great points of information for you to understand yourself better and to understand your tendencies and your patterns and maybe even the ways that you were parented when you were a child. So I invite you to be courageous. I invite you to stay open to whatever this may bring. And I invite you to share with me your experience because I'm here for it. And if you found this episode particularly helpful, please feel free to pass it along to a friend or anybody that would find this valuable as well. And I hope you have a great day. I will see you soon. Take care.